Hey, Pronosis, welcome back to the Printable Pronosis Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printable. We got Mr. Stephen Farrah, got a Campus Inc. And uh, today it's a it's a it's a us two episode. Uh, Just we had a guest for schedule, so <laughs> yeah, we which which will be a fun one for next time. But real quick. Uh, we've got just four sponsors that uh, are important to tell you about. And the reason is, is because these are companies that are really supporting the industry. They're supporting you as a customer and you as a business owner to really grow your shop. And because of that, if you need something, if you're asking for help, uh, if you're looking for a service or a supply, check these folks out. First up, Multicraft Daddy. Farrakh, have you heard of Multicraft Daddy? I've heard of Multicraft underscore daddy. Okay. Well, I want you to open your phone, go to Multicraft underscore daddy and DM him. Say you heard about him from the podcast and shoot him a DM. He is giving away PMI tape cases of it every single week. And all you have to do is shoot him a DM. Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years has been providing top brands at competitive pricing. And if you mention the pod, you get an extra 10% off your first order. Dave has 803 followers. I, we're going to have to do something special when he gets to 1,000. I agree. I'm down. All right. Uh, Bruce, um, I actually uh, had a cool cool experience last week with Supacolor. Uh, Supacolor is the world's best heat transfer. They're made for screen printers, by screen printers. Um, they understand the pressure and expectations of the screen printing, and that's why they pride themselves on being super fast and super easy. Uh, last week, we were exhibiting uh, in L.A. for VidCon. Uh, we had to use your heat press, Bruce, and uh, we were in a pinch, and Supacolor came to the rescue, sent them artwork on Friday. Uh, their team worked on it late Friday night, had it shipped to our place on Monday, and we were ready for our convention. So... Uh, if you need them, use them. They're amazing. Printable 15, get 15% off your first order. Easy way. You know, you shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy ways line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. 701, 842. Those are Campus Inc.'s favorite easy way chemicals to clean dirty screens. Every time I say that, I always think of that gum, the spearmint commercials, and I clean it up. <laughs> the ladies, I call it the gum. If you value a company to help with how-tos, best practices, and questions, Easy Way is there. They work with 100-plus distributors. I didn't know that until last year, and I started saying it because I think it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, they're there to help. They're there to, to uh, make you guys awesome. Last but not least, GraphX Source. If you need a solution to help improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, check out GraphX Source. Um, I mean, just real quickly, maybe this is better. Farag, in your shop, how do you use them in two senses? Uh, we use them for all of our art department and then all of our back office, building online stores, working in Shopify, working in Printavo. They do all our vector set digitizing mock-ups. We have three full-time GraphXers on our squad. If you're not using them by now, like you're on, you're under the rock. Yeah, you get out from under the rock. Start using Graphics Source. Um, Nick Wood's gonna text me, being like, "Man, that analogy was so good." Um, <laughs> we love you, Graphics Source. Fifty <laughs> percent off your first vector set or embroidery order. Mention the pod. 
<laughs> Do you get a text from Nick whatever every week after the podcast comes out? Uh, yeah, every other week or so. Very like nice, gracious, you know, like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. So thank you, Nick Wood, for listening. We appreciate you. Nick is our number one fan. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned VidCon. What what was that about? Um, I know someone picked up a heat press here and we just said, it's back, it's back. So thank you. There was like one screw that was sitting on it, but I was like, I don't know if the screw is for this, but. It goes underneath the thing. They text me about it. Um, oh, we broke Bruce's okay. heat on. press. No, it's not broken. You just need to put it back in. Uh, so we work with influencers. Lots of them. Uh, most of the influencers we work with are athletes. Some of them are um, like social media influencers, TikTok stars, all that good stuff. And so we uh, actually did this collaboration with one of our influencers, actually with Bella Canvas. Um, and Supercolor, had, it sent us transfers. And we activated for her at VidCon, sent two of our marketing team there and a heat press. Um, and uh, they kind of did a little bit of a shirt giveaway. So VidCon, I think, is for like famous people on TikTok. I don't know. Do you know what VidCon is, Bruce? Hmm. I thought VidCon was a YouTube conference, but shows what I know. Uh, yeah. But what what so so like this was for the influencer too. So it wasn't like live printing. It was more of um, live heat pressing. Oh, okay, got it. With, with this one person's brand on it, or like one influencer. Yeah, and it was like. There's a lot of kids that follow her, um, mm-hmm. and so um, her agents and Bella and us kind of put something together, um, and, you know, um, she's obviously, she was a gymnast um, at UCLA, um, does really, really well, is is just a fantastic human being, um, and is rising up in the ranks of influence and, you know, auditioning for things and this and that, and so she's got, like, music coming out. And so um, she was actually the host of the conference, which was cool. So oh, we got nice. to uh, we got to do some stuff for her. But yeah, it was it was a cool collaboration. And I think what was really cool is like her team was making content, our team was making content. You know, our team got to go to Bella and get a tour, which I'm super jealous about because I heard their offices are awesome. Um, and their name just the kind of. Tours. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, it was just pretty cool <laughs> to see it all come together. Um, and it's not something we do regularly, but it was, it was neat. So, so was it more of a, a partnership thing or are you like, Hey guys, can we pay you to come out and do this? No, it was a partnership. Like we were the back, like we were in the back, like we were, we were servicing them. So we, we work on her brand. So, um, you know, our creative team was working on it. Her agents were working on it. There's some bigger things we're working on. So, so you sent me this article uh, talking about um, this was over at Screen Printing Mag that I thought was interesting. Thirty three screen printers' opinions on industry influencers, um, and it was funny because I read it before, but I didn't send it. And um, essentially, they went through and asked a bunch of different shops, "Hey, what do you think about different influencers?" And it was a, a pretty mixed bag. And I guess what I found interesting, and I was like, "Oh wait, am, am I in this bucket? Like, are are you technically in this bucket? Like, I I feel like I'm just like talking about stuff that I find interesting and want to interview people. But uh, is is this like my is this my annual feedback? Um, or who is this directed to? 
Uh, I was reading it too. Well, so like I submitted, uh, I'm on the editorial advisory board with Screen Printing Mag and we work with Adrian. So, you know, this brain squad survey comes out and it's actually really helpful. It's, it's pretty insightful to read and participate in. Um, and I was reading through it and I was like, oh gosh, what are we going to see here? Um, but I thought it was interesting. There were a mixed bag of opinions and then at the bottom was an opinion article. Did you get that far, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why influencers bad for the industry. Why influencers are bad for the industry. And it even... By anonymous fa- equipment supplier. By anonymous equipment supplier. Hmm. I could probably take like three guesses of who it is, um, but I'm not gonna. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you think you know? Uh, I mean, um, are we... Uh, should I like compare handwriting, <laughs> compare past emails? No, I mean, I think I, so, so their point, maybe let's cover like their point, which is interesting, right? So, um, influencers today obviously play a big role in people's buying habits, right? Um, there's plenty of things I've bought, um, where I'm like, oh, wow, they've recommended this and it may be someone that's well known or it may just be a YouTube video, right? Which is, which is where I find this a very gray line and kind of interesting, right? Like I YouTube a lot of things on electrical on, um, <laughs> which went very poorly. So I shouldn't trust that influencer again. Um, uh, like I was just researching Wi-Fi routers before of comparing one versus the other. I don't know who this person is, but they're going to go through and test stuff and do stuff for items, you know, that can help me make an informed decision. Right. And, and anyway, so that's that. And then, um, the real big hard hitting sentence I think is that it says the big joke, the big lie, the big charade in our industry is the influencer who pretends not to be paid but is in fact getting a lot of money to promote a piece of equipment. Okay, this seems very targeted. This is from an apparel manufacturer targeted clearly at another apparel manu. Or, I'm sorry, equipment manufacturer targeted at another equipment manufacturer who is getting free equipment. Now, there's maybe like three YouTubers on in the industry that are getting equipment um, to be able to promote. Uh, okay, so with that said. All right, real quick, I got to tell you something. This is really interesting, and here's why. We formed a company called Inktavo. You may have heard of it, but it has three different brands right now, Printavo, Inksoft, and Graphics. So we're all sister companies now, a big happy family. What we're able to do is Printavo's managing your shop management and workflow organization. Inksoft can run your website and handle online stores at scale, so running multiple different stores for fundraisers, schools, um, company stores and everything in between. And Graphics Flow is a brand new product to be able to help reduce all the back and forth with art. So it has a huge art library that you can put on your website so customers can see and pluck what they want. Plus, you can also be able to collect different ideas and send them to customers to approve as well. Really, really cool. Plus, in app editing, it's like Canva, but specifically for shops. All right. Check it out. All those brands are on inktavo.com. That's inktavo.com. All right, thanks. Wait, wait, wait. Bruce, it thoughts? also says, okay, whoever wrote this was just going on a rant a little bit. And to be frank, it's embarrassing because it says influencers, in parentheses, posers are totally biased 
the big joke, the big lie, the big charade in our industry. Someone's a little hurt. Someone's a little offended. Someone doesn't like how the Rugrats are playing. Um, and they're, instead of doing something about it, they're complaining about it. So I, I think there's two aspects to this. Right underneath it says, remember, influencers, impressies, posers are totally biased. And then at the bottom it says, let's just be truthful. Don't be fooled by people who have usually failed at their own decorating business and earn a living pretending that they um, are not. Okay. I think um, there's a couple of things that are interesting to address here. Number one, I don't know of one person that is being paid full time to promote things and being able to live off that. You know, let's say, you know, uh, you could normally take home a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year or something. I I don't know. Now, if someone is able to do this off of just influencing screen printing equipment, hats off. You are a genius. But to my knowledge, that is not possible at all. Now, there are people that obviously are getting stuff. We have four sponsors that help put this on because we have a videographer. We have um, just general like stuff that that uh, uh, that this goes to. Really, it was to hire Chris, our producer. Um, I think like let's just even set right. So there's 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 people that get equipment. Which should they say that this equipment was sent to them and that they were it was paid for by a company absolutely and i don't think that's a bad thing who wouldn't take a free press you know what i mean you know what, Bruce, wait, wait, are you videos. ready for this are you ready for this you want to you want to laugh so um our dtf sucks again and a company wants to give me the f- company like I, they want to give me a dtf to use it's like the mamaki one and to then you know do some social media on it we saw how that went the last time. So I have turned it down and said, I do not want your free DTF because it's, I think the Mamaki's slower. Um, but like, if you're an influencer, you still have a sense of integrity. I don't think you're a sellout. I don't know if they're like, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you obviously want to like something if you're going to push it, right? Like, do you think an influencer is going to push something that absolutely sucks? Like, do you think, okay, let me ask you this. Is an athlete, is a, is Tom Brady going to do a commercial for something that he doesn't like? I don't, I, I think I disagree with you on this one because I do think that people, if they get paid enough, will do it. I mean, I think you saw that with the NFTs and crypto a while ago where celebrities were, were just shoving down crypto, you know, these called ICO things and you know, I'm sure they don't even use it or care about it, but they're getting paid a lot. <clears throat> I don't think that people are getting paid really much at all if just equipment in this space because there just isn't gobs of money in that same regard. But uh, I do think that just saying that an item is sponsored or paid for, which I do believe some do. I'm not sure. I haven't watched all, all this stuff out there. Like, that's fine. I still want to watch it. Like I, I still want to get your opinion on what you think of it. Um, and so I can make my own decision. Yeah. I mean, I got, so I got like the Cobra flex. They had given it to me, um, wanted me to make content on it and I had to return it cause it was so bad. Right. Um, I'm afraid oh, yeah, you were to do it very with honest with, uh, DFT, uh, DTS. 
Yeah, right? Because, you know, I, I didn't want to... Um, it, it would hurt me to hurt my friends, right? Uh, and so this is, I think what... This industry is very small, right? This isn't like we're selling toothpaste. This is a very small industry, and the word gets around very, very quickly. But your reputation also gets around very quickly as well. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think in a very niche industry, influence is one of the smartest things you can do. Um, Because influence still means there's some reputation associated to it, right? And if I told everyone, like, to go buy something, and they do, I'm putting my neck out there for the company, they're giving me money or something for free, and then the product sucks, I'm just going to hear about it because I'm so close to the industry. You see what I'm saying? Which happened with the DTF. Like, people Which were happened with the DTF. And then you were like, and whoa, 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 we need to record a second episode of you know the update. A hundred percent. And I was like, take did. all that shit down. We are not going. And, and I felt bad. And I still will hang Cobra, out, Cobra Flex out to dry because there are people that bought that machine that can't get their money back because it's a piece of shit, you know? And so I think there are two sides of it a little bit, but let me ask you this, Bruce, would you rather trust a salesperson or an influencer who actually uses it? They're both getting paid. Yeah. The latter. So let's just take this for an example. You know, again, I'm doing my research. This is one data point especially for Correct. something more expensive. It's like the more expensive it is, the more data points I want. This is a great data point because they're not directly selling me and moving on. Um, it's sort of an indirect sale. Like, how am I using it? How the, how does this going? How is it set up? What to buy? Any comparisons and so on. Um, well, and, and with presses, it's very rare that people have used multiple manufacturers just because you tend to, when you buy one, you stick with that company for a while. Um, and I think this is really where it comes down to, right? Like uh, with equipment manufacturers, um, it's not like someone is running, let's just say, uh, you know, Anatol and MHM, for example, uh, in the same time and able to really do apples to apples. So everybody's a bit biased. And I think people know that. Have you ever met a shop that said, don't buy this press? Yeah, I... I can't, nothing sticks up in my head. Here's what I think for equipment manufacturers, lean into your favorite customers and your favorite shops because they are going to run laps around your salespeople. I I couldn't agree more. Here's a beautiful example. The Cobra Flex launch with Shurkong. I think that was so smart of M&R to do that with Andy and him pushing it and giving feedback on it and then like kind of iterating back and forth. Um, that was one really great example that I thought, okay, I trust Andy. And so I would trust his recommendations on other things. Right. And so, uh, not that I'm obviously buying an equipment, but what is that worth? What do you think something like that's worth? Do you think that's worth a free press or just like a gap, like a, a discount? Because like they, you know, that video is better than any other thing that they've put out, like of Andy doing that stuff, I think, in my opinion. How many presses get sold because of Andy's influence? 
It's immeasurable. And I do believe that's why influencing is a part of content marketing. And under the content marketing bucket is these effects that happen that are not measurable. It's hard to measure the effect of someone in your space that can be able to move units, but is sort of indirect. They have an audience, they can convert that to dollars. But you don't know. They're not going to put, you know, Andy's video under a uh, uh, who referred you button. Like if they're buying a press, what they are going to do though is they're going to take that and that moves them one inch closer to making the decision. Right? There, there may be five different points to get them to make the full decision. That just bumped them maybe one, maybe two points forward. I think businesses can look at influencers as an extension of their sales team but someone that's closer to their market, right? So the influencer is in between a salesperson and their target audience, right? Or their influencer is part of the target audience, right? And so it's like you going out in the field and finding these nodes that you can work with that can bring them closer to your door, right? And so obviously there's going to be quality of influencers and the integrity of an influencer and all those different things. But isn't it fair to say, Bruce, if someone puts if someone puts their name behind something that's genuinely bad, you're going to see it in the comments? Yeah, it always surfaces. I don't know if it's an immediately in the comments, but it, it's going to surface at some point uh, through people buying it, then going through customer service, and then the quality of the what they're getting. I mean, it's what happened with the the DTF when you bought before. So, um, but anyway, I, I mean, I think I think the TLDR is just that like this is a this is a cool perspective of of what people think. I think. Some people trust them, other people don't. But I do think that people don't realize the depth that influencers have. The word influencer sounds so cliche and stupid, but really, again, if you're going on YouTube and learning how to screen print, you're probably seeing Ryan Moore's videos. If you're going on YouTube, to sc- you're probably seeing uh, Cat Spitz videos or something, right? And that's going to influence you to work with Ryanette or Cat Spit or someone else to help you get going because you trust them, right? And I think those are some of the best people that um, that when they push the product, you've built that trust before. And that's why companies should be working with people that make content. And again, this is just one form of content. This is even for shops too, right? Like, Hey, look, if you're, if you're deep into high school sports, for example, like why wouldn't you try to work with and make content for the, the, the hero local, you know, quarterback or something like that. But I think, I think something you, you have to credit is, being an influencer and getting to the status of influence is not like you can just click a button and now I'm an influencer, right? They had to do something to get to that point to then be able to help others market, right? Like, I think everyone discounts that, like, you know, you have to actually get to that point before you're an influencer. It's not like anyone can just be one, right? Let me do the let me do uh, the conclusion on this one. All I right, think, close it out. Uh, this was Ian at Fine Southern Gentleman. I think wrote it very well. He said, "I believe trust is earned, and I only care what someone says if they can back it up with experience and results." I think experienced folks can tell the difference between useful information in an attempt to cash in at some perceived fame. 
Luckily, I've only seen what I consider authentic content a lot, most of the time in the screen printing realm. So anyway, uh, I think that's pretty good. But yeah, interesting article. It's it's kind of cool to talk about it. I think it's neat. Um, Bruce, you're a... Uh... It's funny as Bruce, you're an industry influencer, but you don't print anything, but people still ask you what, what you use. I feel <laughs> like, kind of I'm the, use. I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I just try to connect people. That's all I, you are, I, you are like, a good connector. I want to tell the story and I just want to connect people to, to different points. Cause I, I'm not going to know 80% of the time, but I'll tell you what, 80% of the time I'll be able to know someone else. And that's who I'm going to then connect you to, to be able to help get your, your stuff done. Bruce introduces right. me to people without any permission, and then I'm like, who is this person? Uh, I tweeted at you about it. <laughs> Eight out of ten times are good. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Um, I just wanted to share this one tool that I thought was neat. So um, we talk uh, a lot about documentation. Um, we've talked about that before. We've talked about that with Billy that we're working on, um, of which... I need to schedule our, our next interview with, um, you know, he's got a new production manager. He's starting, he does everything. This is the same story over and over for most shops. They're just doing everything. Um, and writing out all the documentation for each role is a pain in the butt. Like it takes so long. You really have to have good focus and you have to be able to do it. There is a tool, uh, called scribe. It's called is it scribe.ai? Yes, S C R I B. Okay, it's shutting down. <laughs> what the heck? Is this the right one? Hold on, hold on. This cannot be. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had the wrong URL. <laughs> I had the younger scribe.ai is not it. This is scribehow.com. Um, this is an AI tool that if people are doing, this is usually more for front office work, but it allows you to create your documentation really quickly. It's pretty cool. So basically you can create a video and it automatically starts to create the steps and st by step by step and includes the video for you. So it helps speed up the time with doing all this documentation. Cause that's really the, that's really the, the hill to climb with, with a new person starting a new role is getting all that documentation done. So anyway, give it a try. It literally, so like if we think about um, SOPs, right? First it was like, um, you know, write it all out, record a video. Now it's like, just start, just click go, do your process and it writes it out for you. That's yeah. insane. What what is the what are the other tools you use to for documenting stuff at Inkamsing? Big Loom, Loom and Notion. Loom and Notion. We mm. use Loom and Notion quite a bit. So um we say like, yeah, just record a and Loom Lite is free, videos under five minutes. And if you can't explain it in five minutes, it shouldn't be a loom. That's kind of our our rule. Um and then we connect it to like a notion and just kind of write it all out. There's another tool called Tango, if you've heard of it. Um, I saw Scott Garnett uses it, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's super rad. I just sent it to my team and I want them to try it out and see if it works. Okay. I've got a, uh, quick, um, business, uh, Ooh. breakdown here that I think is a little bit interesting. What I find fascinating is, uh, companies that really stand out in a commoditized based space, right? It, like screen printing, commoditized based space, 
you know, we've always talked about that half of it is really the service that you perform and that you can meet the deadline and um, I'll put a good product. And half of it is the relationship that you build because that's going to pull you through if you miss something, if there's a mistake, if there's an issue. It's just like I like working with you. Okay, so um, Liquid Death have you you've probably seen this right it's like the the can looks like a monster energy can of water yeah it looks like something matt marcotte likes like death metal looking uh large tall boy type of can (laughs) um you know their tagline is murder your thirst um so this guy who started it mike cesario they literally um are a company that does it north of a hundred million a year off of cans of water. And what's really cool is actually they're recently started. Like they started in 2019, only four years ago, but they now generate a hundred million plus in revenue. Pretty crazy. Um, and really that's from doubling the revenue almost every year. So there's this uh, video that I listened to that I'm gonna drop a link down below at CNBC of how he started this company and how he got going. And I think the, the, he came from an ad agency background. And so he was always making commercials and, and doing some really cool creative content for other brands. Um, he has a couple of cool examples in that video you can see, but literally they had, they have one product Anybody can buy water. You can get water from a hose to a tap to to a bottle. And the one thing that they did to stand out differently was brand. They went almost crazy um, eccentric, I'll say, into brand marketing. So, you know, the use of the tagline, murder your thirst, the this, this sort of like heavy metal looking design and aspects of that of their branding and everything. Their their commercials are so unique. And that's really what blew them up, from my understanding, is they created these like super unique commercials and they they didn't they didn't have money to post it on, you know, normal television. So they went to Facebook and YouTube and ran ads for those. Um and then obviously getting into into grocery, but you know, in a, in a, in a very similar space, water, you can get it anywhere. Screen printing, you can really just Yelp a shop and find someone to do something. Um, how do you differentiate yourself? Pretty incredible that they dove so deep into brand and we don't really see that. There's not many shops that really have differentiated by brand. Um, I think sometimes by like website and how things look, I think one of my, like you make a good point. Is there anyone in our industry that has pulled off a liquid death move? I haven't seen anything that that ex- now this extreme. Now, if you you know, if you want to go a little bit higher level, there's definitely companies that have carved out their niche and and sort of their brand. But you know, this is on a whole new level. This is this could have gone really wrong too. Totally, there was it could no, have been completely the, rejected, and yeah. So it says with about $1,500, he created a commercial before he had an actual can of water. It went viral and investors saw the potential. He sounds like he's an ad agency guy, so he understands like all the different parts of it. Um, I just, it could have gone wrong, right? But it seems like he didn't put a lot into it to test it out to see if it would work, you know? Um, And then when it did work, um, it blew up. Liquid Death has raised $195 million 
Holy cow. So Bruce explained that to me. He's raised $195 million. He's on track to reach $130 million in sales. So he's probably paying, he's probably paying a, like, I mean, this is all a marketing stunt now, right? They want to get this to a several billion dollar company of water. I mean, their big thing, the, the thing that really launched it was a two minute commercial um, that he shot for $1,500, which he really kind of went after plastic water bottle use. These cans are aluminum and um, the waste and people pouring water out all over the place. And then he really put ads behind that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, funding definitely helps accelerate, but really being able to carve in your own niche, I think is pretty darn impressive, especially when they're supposed to hit 260 million now in sales in 2023. I think what's also uh, in interesting is, you know, it's a $2 can of water. It's not like it's terribly expensive. Um, check out the article though. Watch the video. Cause I think the commercial and seeing the bat that the, the really being able to experience it and what they've created is impressive. Um, Bruce, I think there's something, there's one more takeaway is, uh, you know, Everyone asks about like, oh, investors and money and putting stuff in. You have an idea, right? And then, you know, you try to prove that idea out. You try to get traction. You try to get product market fit, right? Um, he spent $1,500 on an idea. And that is, and then someone came and put money behind it, right? So it's, I think in our industry, we think like, Oh, they didn't have any money to do it. You don't necessarily need it. You just need to have some sort of proof of concept and then start testing it, testing it, testing it. And then if it goes off, you pump more cash into it. So there's an interesting part of the life cycle of a product blowing up there that I thought was pretty cool. It feels like also it is okay to go really deep into your niche. It feels maybe a little bit scary, but... It is okay to be overly unique and you will find your tribe, you know, of followers, right? Um, you can all like the worst usually that that is going to happen is you can pivot and try a different audience. But uh, yeah, I, I always feel like, you know, um, way better to, to be able to dive deeper in, in that way on the brand side. What's your favorite? shop in the industry that has the best brand um and we're not talking like like under 50 million dollars that's got the best like your favorite print shops brand whether it's website creative content um how things look yeah. website i'm just curious because you you love that stuff yeah um i think one of the best is real thread Wait, i'm gonna say ah, no i was gonna say i wanted us to say it at the same time because we were both gonna say real thread oh, oops yeah, I think Real Thread and then also Trust Print Shop out of Fort Worth. I think Real Threads and maybe in Orlando. Um, and Trust Print Shop, I think both two people who really care about how the brand is perceived and creating that experience. Um, you know, Real Thread has actually invested quite a bit into their website experience. And from my understanding, it's like a custom experience. It's Salesforce at the back end. It's... Um, pretty crazy but they really invest a lot like i've talked to drew maybe we should have him on for an update but like he's invested a lot into the agency side to be able to do all this design work and get it done he did you know you don't have to a lot of people don't and then on that other side um trust trust print shop spends a lot of time also 
with their brand and their perspe- perception and what Matt has created out in, uh, I believe he's in Fort Worth. That would have been cool if we both said one, two, three, and we said real thread at the same time. Thanks, All right, man. Bruce, um, I got one thing for you. Uh, again, uh, sales slump from Screen Printing Mag, sales slump for Haynes brand and Gildan in Q1. Haynes registered a net sales of 1.4 billion down 12% and the gross profit decline of 23%. Uh Gildan 702 million down 72 million or 9% from the year before. Uh gross profit down was 188 million down 53 million. What do you think of that? Yeah. I've, so from the, the limited chats I've had with two other different brands here that I'll, I'll keep their names separately be, um, because of what they said. But essentially, the distributors ordered a ton of garments when things were so backlogged, right? Um, there was back orders like crazy last year and the year before. And so the mills really started spitting up. They had to get everybody back into the office. They had to rehire. They had to retrain. It takes time to really spin this up. I mean, this is like an inner, this is, a, this is a crazy global international. And you went on the Gildan trips and everything. The amount of global impact that some of these big brands have with where they buy their thread, then they ship it to this country, then it's sewn here, then the dye goes over here to this country, and then it gets sewn over here. And it's good. Like it just takes a lot of time to get that momentum going. So they really, really spun up. And now um, the distributors have a lot of garments, right? So they fulfilled all these orders. And just like a lot of inventory that retailers bought, the distributors bought a lot of extra as well and are sitting on it. And so they're, they're digesting it, right? They're getting, they're, they're trying to wait until people come in and buy it. And that's just going to take some time to be able to get out. And that causes the mills to be a bit slower The you know, all of our favorites, the Bellas and Gildans and, and next levels and all that. And so that digestion has to happen and things kind of even out from that bullwhip effect to be able to um, be back to normal. But it is interesting. I don't think it necessarily affects printers though. Cause I think it is two steps removed. So what you're saying, Bruce is the demand is still consistent. There was just so much demand during COVID that overbuying happened. And now there's, there's too much, too much food in the belly. Yeah, you see it with retail brands. You see it with Target and Walmart. They talk about it in their quarterly results that they had a lot more inventory. And then a lot of people were running. If you may have noticed, but there was a lot more sales um, the first half of this year of them, these companies trying to unload a lot of stuff. That and and it's like, how can you accurately project that during a pandemic when the world gets flipped on its head and then gas prices go to five bucks a gallon? Like this could be a lot worse. Very actually. unnatural. Very unnatural. Yeah. The the this could economic. Be I I, th- I think it's more just like coming back to earth is what I feel like is happening. Like, you know, we were kind of in la la land, and now from an economy standpoint, and now it's just like, oh, you know, like you actually there is no guarantee at work, and you know, there's no free lunch anymore. Like things are just kind of normalizing. I don't know. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah. Besides interest uh, rates. Absolutely. There's, there's swings. Right. We, you know, ignoring again the political side of it, 
we forcefully closed down the economy for call it a month, two months, whatever that span was. And so the effects of that was a lot of pent up demand that swung online. Now it swings back in person. Now it's going back and forth and it takes a little bit of time to reverberate. So, and, and we're seeing that in the, in the data. We're seeing that in the data. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like Bruce, kind of researching this. It's been interesting. Bruce economy. I feel like, you know, didn't know Jack about it. It's really interesting now. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, Professor Bruce. Yeah. I find All it right. fascinating. We're in a microcosm of the greater economy because of just the consumer and business spend. Um, so anyway, okay. All right. Hopefully that was a cool little episode. We've got awesome guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. See ya. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that was informative. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to hit the bell for notifications if you enjoyed this video. If you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out, it's really helpful. We love to just be able to see it. That means that we're doing a good job. To subscribe, hit the bell for notifications and hit the like button. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.